I want you to, to go with me over to uh, Matthew 16. I'm going to talk to you about developing and maintaining your foundation for triumph. How many have figured out that the Christian life is not a sprint? And raise your hand if the devil's done something in the past year or two to come and steal and kill and destroy in your life. Have you noticed he's persistent? Uh, you and I have to have the attitude of being persistent to maintain the foundation that produces triumph in our lives. Amen. Amen. In Matthew 16, we find that uh, Jesus had asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? And what did Peter say? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus told him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven, and I will and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will what? Sounds like triumph to me, doesn't it? Yeah. Now, to understand this scripture is to appreciate uh, that not everybody sees this the same way. Certainly the Protestant church does not see this the same way as the Catholic church. The Catholic church saw this as the institution of a, uh, a structure in the church, an authority in the church, and that Peter was actually the first pope. Well, Peter was an awesome man of God, but he's no pope. Um, what I mean by that is Jesus is not talking about building his church on Peter. He's talking about building his church on Revelation. The first revelation that Jesus is the Messiah, Jesus is the Christ. Well, then he's going to build and develop and execute and expand his kingdom. He's going to expand the body. He's going to do everything he does through the same mechanism. You should never uh, lose your hunger for Revelation. Now, how many would say that you too have the revelation that Jesus is the Christ? That's where it starts. That's not where it finishes. And so to be always about your Father's business, one application of that is to be always around the Word of God and constantly receiving revelation. And I believe that if you'll walk into any service with a teachable spirit, God can give you revelation in that service. He can give you revelation in every service. Say it with me, I have hearing ears. I have ears to hear. And so what happens is it's a, it's a never-ending process of maintaining and spending time on and building and developing and maintaining and building and developing and maintaining that foundation, that rock of revelation. Scripture tells us that you and I are blessed people. Amen. Uh, we stand in a very unique position in the things of God. And I want you to understand this, that do you really believe that, that heaven and earth will pass away but is wordable or not? Now that's a, that's a stark statement, isn't it? Yes. Think about the implications of that statement in its present form. No, but the Word of God transcends all of that. It was there from the beginning and it will be there in the end all through human history and for eternity. The Word of God does not change. The Lord's just like that. He says, I am the Lord thy God, I change not, right? So if you're going to become stable and unchangeable, you're going to have to hook yourself up to that which is stable and unchangeable. And if you do that, you will find yourself strong. Go over to Matthew 7 for a moment and look at this scripture. Matthew 7 uh, verse 24. And I want to just uh, kind of take this as a, a launch pad tonight and see uh, how far we actually get with it. But how many have ears to hear tonight? Praise God. Matthew 7, verse 24, Therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like, what? A wise man. Shout out that phrase, wise man. Wise. What kind of man? Wise. A wise man. A wise man who built his house on the rock. Again, what are we talking about? We're talking about Jesus. We're talking about the Word. We're talking about the rock of Revelation. It's spelled out in Scripture for us. He builds his life upon the rock. Isn't that a wonderful phrase? The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Now, Timothy now is having some daddy experiences. Yeah. Uh, sent us a picture the other day of him presenting some artificial flowers to Juliana. What a blessing that was. 
Yes, amen. Um, she may not remember right now. Right now, I ask him, I, the first thing I asked him when I saw him, I said, did you try to eat them? <laughs> you know, yes, amen. Um, but I have, I've had daddy moments and memories as well. And one of the most vivid ones is one of the first stories I ever taught him was he was just a little bitty thing. And I read this scripture to him, but I added sound effects to it. The only, my, my only regret as I stand here tonight is that I didn't use a squirt gun to emphasize the water part of this. You know, just get, squirt him in the face, you know. But I had the wind and I had the waves. And, and you remember this? He doesn't remember. He remembers it. Okay, praise the Lord. He's saved. Hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> and the, the importance of this, that when you have the right foundation, no matter what's coming at you, it's not stronger than the foundation that you are built upon. See, again, the faith lifestyle is get saved, get right with God, be a faith person, name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, nothing will ever happen adverse to you, no problems will ever come after you. It's like that lady told Creflo, since I've been in the way, I never had a problem. Well, he said, I don't know what way you've been in, but the way that I've been in is an advertisement, saved, born again, child of God, have at it. The reality is not that we're not going to see things come at us. The Bible tells us that many... What are the afflictions of the righteous? But the Lord does what? Delivers them where? Out of them all. In this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So this story is not telling you get saved, build your life on the rock. And when the storm comes, it will bypass you. Sometimes it does bypass. And I've seen the ability to speak to storms and see them reroute. We have that authority as children of God. Can I have an Amen. But you know what I'm saying here. It was a storm that hit the righteous house and the person on the rock and the person who was not built on the rock. Same storm, different consequence. What's the only difference between these two? Man that was not wise built his house upon the sand and the same storm that hit the other house hit this one, but it fell. And the Bible says this, and great was its fall. Now how many want to stand in the day that we're living in? Now, see your hand if you want to stand in the day that we're living in. This is critical. Now, some of you may think, why in the world all the time? The word, 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 this, and the word, that, and the word. Because it's the only foundation. There's no other place to go. There's nothing else that's going to give you that stability in the times that you're actually living in. And you're called to triumph, so it becomes even more important. Look at somebody and say, I'm not just going to endure. I'm going to overcome. Say it with me. I'm not called just to endure. We're called to be victorious. Whatever comes at us, we're able to not only survive, but actually thrive in that environment. So he says, he says, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, it's like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. What was it that took the house out? It was not the storm. Are you here tonight? It will not be a storm that takes you out. It will not be a financial setback that takes you out. It will not be a sickness that takes you out. It will not be the death of a loved one you don't understand that takes you out. These are all symptoms of a much deeper problem. When we come out the course of God because of things that happen to us in life, it's not that thing that took us off we, we, were, we were already compromised long before that event took place. Are you here tonight? We want to think that that was the thing. I've seen this happen to people. They'll lose somebody they love, and then they'll, they'll get upset and, and blame God. I, I believe uh, my mom was telling me there's a relative, a cousin of mine, who's lost both of her parents. I knew both of her parents. matter of fact, last time I saw them was at her other sister's funeral, and they're, they're precious people. And to explain to to her the timing of all these things and what they have personally believed for. I have no idea because I never knew them that well. But all I can tell you is now she doesn't want to go to church. Now she doesn't have anything to do with God. Her husband evidently will keep, will keep on going right now, but she's not. Why? Because this thing that has happened has absolutely rocked her world. Now look, you've got to get to the place where nothing is more powerful in your life than the Word of God. Are you here tonight? Because it is not the sickness, the disease, the, the impoverishment, the attack on your finances, the situation with a relationship of strife or somebody undermining you. Let's go a little bit deeper. Somebody stabbing you in the back. Yeah. 
Somebody betraying you? Well, they betrayed me, they stabbed me in the back, and that's why everything's falling apart on me. No, there's a deeper issue here. These are all just things that happen and actually exposed the condition of your foundation. It's not the storm that takes us out. Come on, shout it out. It's not the storm that takes me out. It's the quality of my foundation. Now, you know, most of us, you know, any given day, we don't want to say, well, that's, that's exactly right. What we want to do is try and find some other reason this is happening. But in essence, if you're going to stand or fall, it's going to be because of the quality, the nature of, the condition of your foundation. And I would like to tell you that, you know, in fact, get to be like Pastor R, just, just put your nose in the Word and keep the Word of God going in. And at some point in time, something kicks in and you never have to do maintenance ever again. You never get a certain gold star. You never get a certain place in the body of Christ. There's never an office or a calling or anointing where all of a sudden you can just sit there and glide because it's going to maintain itself. That foundation does not maintain itself. Who's going to maintain it? The irony is that it's the most powerful thing in the universe, but it's easy for the enemy to get a stronghold because all he has to do is just find where it's been neglected that's where he will assault, and that's where the crash will happen. Turn to somebody and tell them it's your responsibility to, to maintain your foundation on the Word of God. Let me say it again. You're never going to get to a place where God taps you on the head and says, well, you worked hard at this. I'm going to take care of this for the rest of your life for you. There is a place that happens, but it's not on this side. On this side... You're going to have to do due diligence and look at that thing and, and be honest with yourself. How many you know that uh, we can tell when we are being diligent and when we are not being diligent? When we are skating through versus really applying ourselves to the things of God. Um, just in teaching this today and, and meditating on this, the Lord uh, spoke something very strongly to me. You know, this morning I said that, uh, you know, the Lord leads us in triumph through our relationship with this foundation. Our foundation is tied to our triumph. And I said this to you, to deviate from the word is to deviate from Christ, and that means deviating from victory and triumph. Everybody say that word deviate. deviate. That word deviate means for you and for me to depart from an established course or standard. Say it with me, to deviate, deviate. is to depart from an established course or standard. Paul dealt with this in the New Testament in Galatians because he had some people that were Judaizers moving in and telling the people that were operating by faith and by grace that they had to keep the works of the law, they had to do everything contained and accept Jesus. And how many understand Jesus doesn't need any help? Now we can study these things. We can study the, the, the festivals and the ceremonies and the law. In them we can see Jesus. We can learn more about God. But Jesus didn't need any help. What he did was complete. How many agree with that? It's Jesus. Not Jesus and another foundation, but Jesus. And so he's very blunt. He said, I don't care who tells you this, who preaches it. And if an angel comes to you, don't you receive it. And here's what he said. He said rhetorically, who has cut in on you? It's like a runner running down the road, and all of a sudden somebody cuts in out of nowhere and pushes them into the, you know, into the ditch. What happened? All of a sudden somebody cut in on you. That's what you have to be aware of. You're, you're training yourself in righteousness. You're in the Word of God. You're standing on the Word of God. And all along comes this little deviating course. Somebody says something to you, a philosophy, an idea, a concept. And the next thing you know, you're deviating from the course that's already prescribed. The just shall live by faith. How many times does the Bible say that? Four times. Say it with me. The just shall live by faith. Well, what does that tell us? It tells us that deviating from that course, right, is not acceptable. Well, I've, I've grown, I had somebody tell me this, but well, I've grown beyond the message of faith. That's interesting. You have grown beyond the prescribed course that God himself set down. Can I kiss your ring? 
You know what I've observed through the years? That when people say that and they deviate off the prescribed course, things don't go well for them. Looking for somebody to blame and somebody to look at and say it's because of you. But listen to this. The reality is if you deviate from the foundation, you can't have the things that are promised by that foundation. Amen. Watch this. Have you ever heard the phrase, that's deviant behavior? <laughs> right? And if you, you use that phrase, that's, that's deviant, that's, that's deviancy, that's, that's just deviant behavior. Well, usually it means in, in comparison to a societal standard or norm. Are you here tonight? And so we, we kind of picked up on things in our own lives. Well, look at society, and this is deviant, and that's deviant. Deviant behavior for the child of God is anything that contradicts the word of God. So be careful when you say that that's deviant, but this is acceptable. No, anything that, that deviates from God's prescribed course is, of course, going to have problems. In your, it's going to cause problems in your life. It's going to undermine this foundation. You're not maintaining this when you come off of the Word of God. So the bottom line is this world is filled with a whole lot more deviance than we think. <laughs> Oh, I found a place to dig. <laughs> yes, the adulterer is living in deviant behavior. The homosexual is living a deviant lifestyle. Would you agree? Uh, the person that rapes, plunders, and pillages is living a deviant lifestyle. But the child of God who just dismisses as if they are Lord over the Word, some prescribed way to live, they also are living a deviant lifestyle. Are you here tonight? Yes. You can get into a long, big discussion about which is worse, this, 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 or this. But the scripture is plain. If you did this, and the apostle said, if you break one commandment, guess how many you broke? So, what does that mean? It means that all of us were for sure deviants. I can tell you're really enjoying this tonight. We are all deviance. Thank God for Jesus. He's the only one who never deviated. Aren't you glad he never did? He was tempted to deviate. Amen? Yet without, without deviation. Amen? So now what's the devil's goal? You're born again. Say it me, I'm born again. And I'm not going anywhere. I have no plans to denounce the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know that, uh, that he has a lot more endurance and patience with you than you have with yourself? He has no interest in casting you out. If you don't go, it's because you don't want to go. It's because you won't stay with the one, the only one that can pave that way for you. Are you here tonight? But watch this. Now the goal is, if he couldn't get you that way, now he's going to spend great time and effort to get you to deviate, undermine that foundation, and live far below God's dream for you. You think that your dream for you is something? You ought to tap into God's dream for you. You'd be amazed what God has for you. But it requires that you not deviate from what he has said. Now, I don't have all the time in the world tonight, but I want to sow this seed into your heart. When you look at Mark 4, the Bible says the sower sows what? Sows the word. And what happens? Immediately the birds come and eat the seed that is sown. Well, you can't see them, but the birds are here. Wherever the seed is sown, the bird is there. And it, it implies a lack of understanding, but it implies that it didn't quite get into the ground like it's supposed to. If it's sitting on top of the path, then it's not getting in the soil of the heart so it can actually produce a crop. Does that make sense? You say, uh, does it happen in church? Does it happen in this church? Oh, you'd be amazed just right now in this room, the level of intentionality when it comes to the Word of God right now. Amen. I mean, there are people that are, that are dialed in. There are people that are thinking about tomorrow. There are, there are people that are surfing the web. There are people that are... You mean they would do that now while you're preaching? Yes. 
Now, here's the sad part. I could have already said something by the Holy Ghost. It's the thing you've been crying out to God about, but because you allowed yourself to be distracted, you missed it. God had already set you up to have an amazing breakthrough, but guess what? Go ahead and do it with me. Ready? If you don't, I'll make you come up here and do it with me. Are you ready? And people that know me know that I will. What happens? Little birdies are floating through the air, and it never, ever gets into the ground. It gets eaten up. There's no revelation. The rock of revelation, there's no understanding. It's gone. Now, that's one of the ways that he comes at us, because if we don't get it in the heart, then deviation is guaranteed. My people are destroyed, the Bible says, for what? A lack of knowledge, and not just general knowledge about the world, knowledge about God and knowledge about His Word. Whenever you see that phraseology in Scripture, always make yourself go back. He's talking about knowledge of God, the things of God, the revelation of the Word of God. That's what He's talking about. Come on, one more time. Now, it's, it's not my job to put on a three-ring circus for you so that the birds don't eat your seed. That's why we're talking about developing and maintaining that foundation. Does that make sense? You're the one that has to be dialed in. And there are people, they dial in differently. I've seen people that they, they're distracted by note-taking. I've seen other people who they can't retain what they need unless they are. And I encourage you to listen, but if that's you, go back and listen to it again and again and again because faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by what? By the word. But there, there are different ways that, that people do connect to, but it's not the speaker's responsibility to keep the birds from eating the seed that goes out. That's our responsibility. And I'm telling you that you don't get to a place, like I said before, where God just gives you a bite and everything sinks in. <laughs> My brother Gary, <laughs> uh, he, he's one of a kind too. And uh, let's just say that, you know, there's always one in every family. Like when he was like three years old, he, my dad got a brand new Oracle razor as a gift, and my brother threw it in the toilet and tried to flush it. <laughs> um, Gary messed with the, uh, the valve on the gas heater in a house that we lived in in Godfrey, Illinois, and the pressure was going like this. It was one of those old, you know, pressure monitors. And my, my sister, who's always walked in wisdom, don't mess with Tammy. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> just went up to mom casually and said, you know, that vowel's going like this. And she was just a little kid. I mean, she was only a couple years older than Gary. And uh, mom said, call the contractor who was working on their house. And he came down there. And he said, if, if, she, if she hadn't said this, this would blown the whole house up. And everybody that was in it. He's, he's a character. He went to school one day. And he was called on by the teacher. And the teacher called him. Can you answer this question? And and he mumbled something, and she said, I can't understand what you're saying. Said it again. And, and he said it. She couldn't understand it. And she, he said, well, she said, repeat it. And finally he goes, open your ears, and you shall hear. Now, when you're in the second grade, that's probably not the smartest thing to say to your teacher. <laughs> Look at somebody and say, open your ears, and you shall hear. Now, our job is to study, to be prayed up, to walk in our anointing. There is an anointing to preach and to teach. There's no way that I would be up here year after year after year if I didn't feel called and equipped and empowered to do it. But that's not enough. See, what? The sower sows the word. Jesus is the principal sower, and all those that are called according to his name and purpose in this gift in this area, whether you're doing it as a five-fold ministry gift or you're doing it as a Sunday school teacher, you're like, our job is to be ready and to sow that seed, not pervert it with other things. Can I have an amen? Yes. Not respond to society, but listen to what God says and, and give people the pure word. Amen? But at that day, we can't let the birds come by. Amen. And eat it up. Now, if that fails, the devil pulls out another, you know, a particular weapon. And Jesus talked about how there was, you know, some seeds sown on soil that was not very deep. It was rocky. And what happened? Oh, with 
great joy it sprung up. When people hear that Jesus saves and Jesus delivers and He'll prosper you, He has the power to get you out of debt. He has the power to instantly deliver you from anything. He has got a purpose and a plan for your life. You start walking around marching to the orders of 3 John 2. Hallelujah. Amen. Talking about greater is He that is in me than He's in the world. You get a vision for what life could be because you receive it what? With great joy. Everybody say great joy. But this time, he says there's no root because when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, what happens to him? Listen to this phraseology. I'm going to read it to you from the Amplified. Find uh, Mark 4 if you haven't already. But listen to this. In the same way, verse 16, the ones... uh, uh, sown upon stony ground are those who, when they hear the word, at once receive it and accept it and welcome it with joy. I remember the first time you really got a hold of some revelation. Did it not bring joy to your heart? I remember the first time I heard about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It brought joy to my heart. Amen. This teaching about righteousness brought joy to my heart. To find out that God's not my problem, He's my solution. He's not the one doing the evil. He's the one doing the good. And the scripture says, and they have no real root in themselves, and so they endure for a little while. God help us. I have seen this through the years. Thrilled with the word. Thrilled with Pentecost. Thrilled with the spirit. Thrilled with the church. But guess what? There's no root there. Then when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, they immediately are offended, become displeased, indignant, resentful, and they stumble and fall away. Now what happened? Great, the birdies didn't get the seed off the path. Praise the Lord that it got in there, but they weren't in it long enough. There was not maintenance and development of a foundation long enough. And they did not endure because guess what? If you take the pure seed of the Word of God and you sow it into your heart, there is going to be trouble and persecution. This is a great scripture to remind yourself that that pressure that comes, persecution and trouble, that pressure that comes is a direct assault on the foundation you're trying to build and develop. That's the key right there. What would have happened if that person had just said, you know what, yes, this is trouble or persecution because of the word, but I'm going to hang in there. That Bible that we love says in Psalm 119, 165, great what? Peace have they who love your law and nothing can make them stumble. Well, I stumbled because of her. I stumbled because of him. I stumbled because of job situations. I stumbled because I got sick. I stumbled because I lost somebody. I stumbled because of this. No, brother, sister, you stumbled because your foundation was not intact. And the first key, I mean, what's the first step when you have somebody who is addicted to a drug? Class, what's the first hurdle? Stop lying to yourself. I'm a drunk because of them. I'm a drunk because of them. I'm a drunk because of them. I'm a drunk because of mom and them. I'm a drunk because of how I was raised. I'm a drunk because of But You can go through every single situation and come up with a reason for why you're a drunk. But until you admit that you are a drunk and take responsibility for it, you're going to stay one. And just like I can't do anything to stop the birds from stealing the word that have not gone in, amen, the seeds have not gone in, found a penetrated place, I can't do anything about you yielding to the pressure and the trouble that comes from the Word. Now look, it may not have happened to you in a big time way, but can I tell you something? I've seen it firsthand. And your only response is to dig a little deeper. Get that titanium backbone like Peter said, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Do you know that there's still time for every one of us to get this thing right? There is an outpouring. There is a blessing. 
There is a glorification. There is a move of God and he longs to have everybody in this room, everybody in this town, everybody that calls upon his name to enjoy this and walk in this. But it's going to require you to repair the foundation in your life with the word of God. Look at somebody and tell them, you can do this. Come on, say this, you can do this. You see, what happens is the devil wants us to deviate, and as we deviate, that's where all the compromise and all the problems come from. You say, well, I just can't see it happen. I can't see anything changing. Keep on it. Another day, another week, another month, another year is nothing compared to eternity, and nothing compared to the victory and the joy you're going to know for being someone who didn't quit. Say, when trouble or persecution comes. Now, I just, I want to just, uh, you know, uh, if, if I forget to bring something up and you look at me and say, did you remember to say that? <laughs> so I, <laughs> there are a lot of people that, that, that hear the pure message of faith. Say, we are word of faith people. Say, we are Holy Ghost people. We're not going to be ashamed of the Holy Ghost and we're not going to back off the word of God. Now, right now, in mass, the body of Christ in America is backing off of both of those. Um, to whom shall we go? You get a taste of the Holy Ghost, you don't want to go somewhere where he's not welcome. You get a taste of the word of faith, you want more. Amen? You poke somebody and you tell them, I want some more, I want some more, I want some more. You don't come in fat and sassy and satisfied. You come in because you want and you need more. Amen? You heard the old phrase from Texas, dance with the one that brung you. You keep on going forward, hallelujah. You keep on moving forward. But I want to help you tonight with something. that You discern rightly what's happening to you. What's going on? And I hope that you get this. I pray the Holy Ghost will speak to you tonight and you'll get this. Because it will help you. You being attacked physically is not a sign that you don't have faith. It's evidence that you do have faith. Now you can either take that or you can let the bird fly right by and eat it away. I said, you having physical problems is not a sign you don't have faith. If you're a child of God and you're in the Word and you're building this foundation, it is trouble or persecution coming because of the Word. Your job is to stand and believe God and let the Word of God reverse what the devil is doing in that situation, whatever, whatever that is. Amen. The devil tells people, everybody say the devil. I mean, you forget he has a voice and he is a liar. Listen, my brother, my sister, you're not going through. If you are walking with God and you're seeking him and you're a tither and you're a giver and you're going through something financial, that situation is not evidence that you don't have faith. It's proof that you do. The financial assault you're going through is proof there's something there to assault and to attack. Many faith people have this whole thing upside down. The word is sown here comes the assault, you stand your ground, and God turns that around. Now you prove the word works and God gets glory out of that. Not from the problem, but from the turnaround. Do you see this? You see the pattern all the way through Scripture. Here's God's anointed people. Sometimes all they have to do is just sit there, and people hating on them. And Christians are enjoying that now around the world. For a season, it was primarily, of course, God's holy people in constant warfare throughout their inception. And some of it they caused, so it was just a matter of God trying to push them forward to do what they're called to do. And Christians, I mean, what did Christians really do to deserve what Nero did to them in the first century? Nothing. He's a madman. Every, every century has them. And they attack because we exist. They attack. And the stupidity of people saying, well, God raised up Hitler so that God could somehow get his people into the Holy Land. All God has to do is snap his finger and his people go back to the Holy Land. But the point is, when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, a lot of people with a faulty foundation 
They don't make it. And they walk around, you know, believing that this is happening to them because they don't have any faith. No, not if you're walking in a place of relationship with him and you are, you know, developing and maintaining that foundation. No, your job in those situations is to stand. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. Now, I have seen this played out in physical ways. I've seen this played out in emotional ways and mental ways, financial ways. I seen, you know, people that knew better, you know, turn their back on God. You know, I've, I've had a few and I've stood, you know, you know, stabbed in my back before, and you have too. We've been abandoned by people who said, you know what, God sent me here, I'll never leave you, blah, 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 blah. That's why when somebody comes to Creffle and says, God sent me here and I'll be here to the day I die, Creffle will just look at him and say, we'll see. We've seen every manner of assault and attack you can possibly see. Now, if you're not careful, and it's fine to search your heart and let God talk to you because we're not perfect people. There can be something God needs to deal with us about, and that's a great time to do it. But having gone to God and He begins to speak to you and you've dealt with things, you rise up and you say, you know, this is trouble or persecution coming because of the Word. It's not because you're such a terrible, horrible person. It's because you're in the will of God. If you're not careful, you'll equate never being slandered, never being attacked, never being harmed, never being assaulted, as that's proof of you being in God's will. Think carefully about all the men and women of God throughout the history of the body of Christ in God's perfect will, and they were assaulted. They were attacked. Think about the simplicity of Paul just preaching about Jesus and the people in a frenzy and a riot just because he's preaching a message. In a society, listen, a Hellenized society that valued free speech. Have you noticed that same spirit has landed on our nation now? Just simply say that Jesus is the way can get something thrown at you. When you find a teenager or an old man who's hit in the head just because he has a red hat on, the other day in Nashville, Tennessee, a retired detective from New York was celebrating his 50th birthday at one of the restaurants on Broadway. He had a red hat on that said, make what? Make 50 great again. And somebody walked up to him not even paying attention. It wasn't even an electioneering hat. And, and hold off and hit him. You can see the mark right there. Now, thank God he had restraint because he probably could have killed her on the spot. This is where you're living right now. I said, this is where you're living right now. That a simple hat, somebody else ran over a, a Republican booth with their van. And they claim to be ones that love. Are you here tonight? This is the day that we're living in. Now, spiritually, it doesn't mean you're necessarily out of God's will. It doesn't mean you're this horrible person. It doesn't mean you don't have faith. It does mean, though, that the Word is attracting this stuff. Amen. Are you supposed to ask me? Yes, sir. Yeah, ask me. Okay. Okay. Um. Just meditating on this and, and worshiping God and preparing tonight, uh, the Lord wanted to give you a very simple word. Are you ready? Yes. Now raise your hand if you put the word in and you have found yourself attacked, setbacks, weird things happening. Raise them up high. This, this blessed me and I think it will bless you as well. Our God is all-knowing. God was not taken off guard by what happened. What they did, what they said, what went down at all. You and I are not all-knowing. Our knowledge is limited to things like our revelation of the Word and what things the Spirit of God deems important for us to know. A piece of the knowledge of God here, a piece of the wisdom of God, but you and I are not and never will be God. Our knowledge base will accelerate greatly on the other side, but on this side we don't know it all. He knows what? The end from the beginning. He's the Alpha and the Omega. Now watch this. 
I want you to think about one of the most hurtful things you've ever been through. Not so that you can go down bitter lane, <laughs> but as an illustration. Think of the most hurtful thing, painful thing you have been through. And watch this. Your God didn't orchestrate it. Your God does not say one thing in covenant, then do another. He does not say that you're the head and not the tail. He does not say he's going to protect you and bless you and guide you and direct you and then allow the enemy to use the devil as some tool. Heaven is not so bankrupt that he needs the devil's tools to get his work done. Do you see this? But just because he didn't orchestrate it doesn't mean he didn't see it. Now watch this. Do you have that thing in your mind? Right? Raise your hand if, you, if you're really with me tonight and you know in your mind right now the most hurtful thing you've ever been through right then and there. What the Lord wants you to know is immediately as that thing began to unfold, He was already working that thing in a way to bring about glory to Him and turn around for you and victory for you. It didn't start at the end of the process somewhere till you were beat to a pulp. As soon as the enemy came after you, God was already on the job in that situation. And what you need to do is realize that he's not blind. He's not deaf. He's not lacking understanding. He went to work immediately when the enemy came at you to try to take that word and pluck it out of your heart with pressure, with persecution, and with trouble. Stop relegating everything. Well, that's just life. Listen, what's just life for a carnal man is one thing. What's just life for a child of God is a total different animal. Yea, and all that live a godly life in Christ Jesus, what? Will suffer, will or shall be persecuted. Amen. Now, Peter made the distinction, if you suffer for being unrighteous, that's different from suffering for righteousness. So you start right there. But there are a lot of people that don't realize that God is already on the move. So what does that mean for you in the year of triumph? That's when that very hurtful thing gets turned around completely. Hallelujah. This is your year when that thing turns around in Jesus' name. No matter how painful, hurtful that was, your God is already on the move. And listen to me carefully. Instead of you going off, you know, just, just half-baked in your mind, thinking this faith stuff doesn't work and God doesn't care, blah, blah, blah. But you stood and you maintained your foundation. You're going to see God move in this year. You're going to see God do amazing things in your life. This is your year of triumph. Come on, say it. It's my year. Come on, say it. My year of triumph. Triumph. He always leads us. In triumphant procession. Hallelujah. We're not in the front where those are chained up. We're behind him, the free ones, and the ones that do battle. Hallelujah in his name. Glory to God. Everybody go. He's going to try to eat the, the seed on the path. He's going to try to use the pressure of persecution and trouble. Amen. To cause that short-lived joy to disappear from your life. That doesn't work. Write this down. He will use what? Pleasures and distractions and deceitfulness of resources and wealth. Um, let's just uh, read that also from the Amplified. Look at somebody and say, don't deviate. He says this, and the ones, verse 18, sown among the thorns are others who hear the word. Then the cares and anxieties of the world and distractions of the age and the pleasures and delights and false glamour and deceitfulness of riches and the crave and impassionate desire for other things creep in and choke and suffocate the word, and it becomes what? Fruitless. Listen to that language very carefully. It says that they come in, they creep in, and they choke and suffocate the word, and it becomes fruitless. Hallelujah. Now, look, if we're going to survive the onslaught of trouble and persecution, by all means, let's not let the devil win through these kinds of deceitfulness and, and deceptions. But I see it happen all the time. 
Um, somebody wouldn't let the, the bird anywhere the seed, and they mounted a strong resistance. How I many you know if you resist the devil, he'll flee from you? And they stood in their persecution and trouble, only to turn right around and then begin to make stuff and money and their plan God's plan and want God to bless it. And the next thing you know, they're no longer pursuing what God has for them. Uh, Brother Barkley works with, you know, thousands of pastors. Uh, I've worked with a lot of ministers, developed a lot of ministers, and I've seen people go out and do great things for God. Um, Valentino Williams, what's going on in Bahamas is a miracle. They now have a second site on one of the other islands in the Bahamas. Lord prophesied to him over 14, 15 years ago that God was going to give him the Caribbean. How many can believe with us for what God has said over that ministry? Right here, graduated from Murray State University with a business degree. Right here through this church, this church and through Kyle. That was, that was his grounding. That's what he says. That's what his testimony is. And incidentally, he's invited me and Kelly back this October. So I'll be going to suffer for Jesus in the Bahamas this October. Praise the Lord. Somebody's got to do it. Amen. Somebody's, <laughs> somebody's got to do it. But do you know that, that he's not the exception? He's supposed to be the rule. I've seen a lot of people called of God and then veer off into other things. And it's sad when it happens. It's what do you do at that point? You just get right up in their face and say, I rebuke thee in Jesus' name. No, when this happens, the force of this deceitfulness and this deception, the force of what happens is so powerful that if the Holy Ghost can't get through, it's incredibly arrogant and stupid for a spiritual leader to think that he can. Watch this. The intensity of the force and the influence doesn't get lesser and lesser as you go in this story. It gets greater and greater and greater. Couldn't get them with the birds, can't get them with trouble and persecution. Now I'm going to get them with distractions. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. I've seen it over and over and over again. And you know what's sad about it is, in uh, some of these cases that I've dealt with, and there's been several of them through the years, I know one day that they're going to come to a place where they get quiet before God and could be 35, 45, 55, 60 years old. Who knows? They're going to have to open up their heart and admit that they completely misspent their life. The devil used that third trick from Mark 4 to get them. Now, I can't do anything about that other than pray the prayer of faith. Amen. Speak the truth in love. But in your life, you're responsible for that foundation. Don't deviate from God's plan and call for your life because the devil hung something over your head like a carrot and got you out of the path of God. Amen. On God's path for you are wonderful things. I said on God's path for you are Wonderful things. His goal is to get you to deviate. Our job is to not take the bait. Our job is to pay attention to the quality and the development and the maintenance of that foundation. To take responsibility. To come under the word of God, not just in services, but daily. To set out you know, aside the distractions so the word of God can come in alive to you and receive. Amen? Amen. And put that word planted deeply in your heart. And when those troubles and persecutions come, you're not moved by that. Come on, shout out loud. None of these things move me. Say it again. None of these things move me. And if you manage to overcome that, here comes the deception. Here comes the distractions. Here comes the deceitfulness. You have to just step back and say, well, he, he didn't get me with the birds, and he didn't get me with trouble and persecution. Now he's going to try to use apparently good things to get me. Listen, the devil will open up doors for you if it means keeping you off the path God's called for you. Watch this. Religion says, you know, God opens doors and closes doors. Guess what? So does the devil. And a lot of people walking through doors that he never ordained for them to walk through. Amen. I mean, you know God has a great thing in store for you. But whose responsibility is it? 
Amen. The wise man built his house upon the rock. Hallelujah. And the devil didn't steal the word from them and use pressure that didn't work and deceitfulness didn't work. And here comes the, the rain and the wind and the storm and beat against that house. What happened to it? It stood. Other man built his house upon the sand, either by birds or by pressure or by pleasures. He compromises foundation and the same storm took his house out. I want to say this to me. It's never the storm that takes a Christian out. I mean, say it boldly. It's never the storm. It's always the foundation. One more time. It's never the storm. It's always the foundation. One more time. It's never the storm. It's always the foundation. Now, it may be, you know, therapeutic in the natural to find somebody else to blame. Can I tell you something? That will never change anything. There's nothing more therapeutic than open up the Bible to Psalm 51 and say, I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and he forgave the guilt of my iniquity. Now you're repairing that foundation. Now you can build a house that's not swept away. Amen. Now, I had the, the good fortune and was blessed of God uh, to live in Charleston, South Carolina uh, for a while. I still think it's one of the most uh, beautiful and you know, historic cities in the, in the country. And uh, if you go downtown to uh, this area they call the Battery, um, that's normally where when a hurricane comes in, it crosses that threshold. And the, the first line on the other side of that little park is a row of houses that were built uh, you know, some of them easily a couple hundred years ago, and I can't remember what the oldest one was, but uh, those houses sustain direct hits through history, and not one of those houses built with those standards has ever succumbed to that uh, storm. Not one of them. You can go off just a half a mile away or further in the houses that were not built like that, and they're flattened. You'll have water. You'll have flooding coming up over that battery. That's just the way it is. But as far as the integrity of the house, it still stands. Why do the houses at the battery survive a direct hit from a Category 4 or 5 hurricane and other houses just nearby are flattened by it? It's the foundation. It's the structure. It's how it's built. Now, I've watched this as a spiritual leader. I've watched spiritual storms with high degree of force, spiritual hurricanes of four and five hit people's lives in and out of the church. And I've seen some that I thought would never make it, and they stood. And I've watched others, and you know what? You thought would hang in there, and boom, blown away. It's not the storm that does the damage. Well, it sure feels like it's the storm. No. It's the foundation. Hallelujah. Amen.